It is great to be with you guys. It's great to be speaking to you guys tonight as something that I feel the Lord has put in my heart. Before we get started, any Harry Potter fans in the house tonight? All right, not too many, so I'm not going to offend a lot of people. Because the Harry Potter movies are, in fact, this is not opinion, this is fact, they are trash. Can I get an amen? Okay. All right, so here's, here's the deal. My wife, she loves Harry Potter. She, she grew up on it. Uh, I don't know if she grew up on it. I don't know. But she read all the books, watched all the movies. I don't know if she's one of those people that says the books are better than movies. I feel like the movie's always better because it's shorter and I save time. But that's just me. Plus, I don't like to read. And so my daughter, of course, who's nine right now, she's going to be 10. She turned out to be a Harry Potter fanatic, just like my wife. And me being a good dad, I think I mentioned this to some of you guys in a small group one time, me trying to be a good dad, I said, you know what, kid, I'm going to watch every single movie with you in order. Now, for those of you who don't know, I think there's eight, if I'm not sure, there's seven, but then the last one, there's, they turned into two, right? Because money, basically. And so I told my daughter, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch this with you. And, and I even told her that I'm going to put my phone away and just give my full attention to these movies, knowing full well that they were going to be trash. But I didn't realize until I started watching it just how bad they really are, just how terrible in every way. I'm, I'm just, I'm not into sci-fi. I'm not into fantasy fiction. I'm not into the wizards and the goblins and all that kind of stuff. Uh, by the way, Dobby is just a ripoff of Smeagol. For those of you guys who don't know, okay, just putting that out there, putting that out there too. And I ended up watching them all. I did have to grab my phone, but what I did was I just IMDb'd the movies to see who the actors were. And so it was kind of cheating, it kind of wasn't, but I found that actually looking up fun facts about Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson was actually more entertaining than the movies themselves. And it helped me to pass the time. And it was through watching all eight of these movies, which for some reason they're so long, they're probably at least two and a half hours each. I think the last ones, the last two I think are almost three hours for whatever reason. And I realized two things that I I knew before, but I was reminded of these two things when I watched all eight movies over the course, I believe of eight weeks. I was reminded that God allows bad things to happen to good people because I'm a good dad. I'm a good dad, and I'm like, God, I'm just trying to be a good dad to my daughter. How can you allow this to happen to me in the middle of a pandemic? How can you? It's it's bad enough that we're stuck at home, and then now I've got to watch all these movies. And then I was also reminded of this fact, fact, which I think we all know, that waiting is the hardest part. Waiting is hard, guys. Whether it's waiting for a terrible movie saga to finally come to its end, or going through heartache, going through the loss of a job, trying to find a new job, whatever your situation may be, waiting is so difficult. And so we come to this popular verse in Jeremiah chapter 29, it's verse 11. We all, we've heard this verse, I'm sure you guys have heard this before. And then IV it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So God's saying, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And a lot of people will read this verse by itself, and it's such a feel-good verse. I think after John 3.16, maybe Genesis 1.1, Psalm 23, some of those verses, this is probably one of the most popular verses in the Bible. 
And when you read it by itself, it's, it just, it feels so good. Your heart feels so warm. Oh my goodness, God has a plan for me. This is amazing. Have you ever read the verses before that? The context of this verse? Let me explain it to you. There's this king in Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. He goes to Jerusalem, which is the, the capital of Israel, and he, he wins this battle. He takes the, the people, or not all the people, but he takes some of the people, some of the Israelites captive, and he brings them back to Babylon. And so while they're in Babylon, of course, if your home is Israel and you've been taken captive by this warlord, by this evil king, and you're in Babylon now, what you want is you want to go home. You just, just want to go home, right? Sometimes you just want to be home. You want to go back to Israel. But this is the, the message, and we're going to read through these verses that precede 29.11. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 10, the Message Bible. Verse 4, this is the message from God of the angel armies, Israel's God, to all the exiles I've taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. Interestingly, it says that I've taken, God says, I've taken them from Jerusalem to Babylon. So God sends a direct word to the exiles through the prophet Jeremiah. In verse five, he says, build houses and make yourselves at home. Put in gardens and eat what grows in that country. Marry and have children. Encourage your children to marry and have children so that you'll thrive in that country and not waste away. Again, he's talking about the land of Babylon. Make yourselves at home there and work for the country's welfare. Pray for Babylon's well-being. If things go well for Babylon, things will go well for you. I'll pause right here because you would think that if you are stuck in this land, held captive, you're in exile and you want to go back to Jerusalem, you want to go back to Israel, that your prayer would be, God, please strike down Nebuchadnezzar. God, please raise up armies in Jerusalem, raise up armies in Israel to come rescue us and bring us back. And God says, no, here's my plan. I want you to make yourselves at home in this foreign land. Verse eight, yes, believe it or not, this is the message from God of the angel armies, Israel's God. Don't let all these so-called preachers and know-it-alls who are all over the place there take you in with their lies. Don't pay any attention to the fantasies they keep coming up with to please you. They're a bunch of liars preaching lies and claiming I sent them. I never sent them. Believe me, God's decree. In fact, in chapter 28, there was a false prophet named Hananiah and he was telling the captives, hey, God's gonna rescue you really soon. You're not gonna be in this land very long. God's gonna bring you back. And of course, that got their hopes up. Just like for any of us, if we're going through a hard time, we would, if someone came up and said, hey, your, your trial's gonna end really soon. The testing is gonna end really soon. Just a couple more hours, just a couple more days, our hearts would be filled with joy because, oh my goodness, I, I think I can hold out that long. And yet God is saying, no, 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 that's not what I want. I want you guys to wait Listen to verse 10. This is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. 70 years, he's telling them, stay captive, remain there, be faithful to the government there, live off the land, get jobs, marry, have your children marry, Stay there. That's, what, that's my plan for you. And then he says in verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Man, this is a hard word all of a sudden. 
When you read the verses that come before verse 11, all of a sudden it's, oh my goodness, wait, God, wait? You want me to wait? You want me to wait in this mess? You want me to wait in this foreign land? All I've ever known is here in Jerusalem. I don't feel safe here. I don't feel comfortable here. I don't want to be here. This hurts. Waiting hurts. If you're waiting for a job, if you're waiting for your parents to reconcile, if you're a parent and you're waiting for your kids to come home, if you're waiting for eight Harry Potter movies to end, waiting hurts. And here's the first thing that I get from this verse, chapter 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Here's the first thing. Only one person knows the plans. Only one person. You don't know him. I don't know him. God knows him. And this is probably one of the most frustrating things as a person, certainly as a believer, when, when God says to the Israelites, I'm going to take you out of Egypt and into the promised land. That sounds great, but he doesn't say, oh, but here's, there's going to be this encounter in the Red Sea. You're going to be chased. You're going to run for your lives. Oh, there's going to be a time when you're, you're going to want meat and you're not going to have it, where you're going to be thirsting for water and you're not going to get it. And you're going to go through battle after battle after battle. All of this stuff in between from where you're at to where God eventually wants you to be, we very rarely get to know that in between. And that's hard. My kids, when they were younger, I'd say, hey, you want to go over to Lola's house? That's grandma in Tagalog from the Philippines. It's cool. All right. <laughs> and they'd be like, yeah, 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 Lola's house is so fun. It's sugar, it's cake, it's screen time, all of these things. Like, we love it. We love Lola. And now that they're older, it's like, you want to go to Lola's house? Um, what are we going to do there? I'm like, excuse me? I'm trying to bless you. I'm trying to bless you with all these things that are, you can get a little outside. You're not going to get at our house. I'm trying to bless myself with some free time too, but still trying to bless you too. I'm trying to bless you. And in fact, I said this to, to my daughter a couple weeks ago. I said, do you want to go to Lola's house? And she's like, can I bring my phone? Now, yeah, she's got, a, she's got her own phone. It's one of our older phones. Don't be one of the, oh, your kids are so rich. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that, okay? No, my kids are not spoiled. Yeah, we, we allow them to have a device. They don't get to be on it. In fact, they get in trouble so much, they're barely on it. It, it is what it is. We don't know the plans, but we can find comfort in knowing that God has plans. I'm thankful for water. See? Man, thirsting in the desert. God, man, God, you're so awesome, God. Man, perfect timing. I'm thankful that even though I may not know the plans, I don't know every detail of the plans, I'm thankful that God has plans, that he's not just, just going to cast me aside. He's not going to just cast you aside with whatever you're going through, whatever you're waiting on, that breakthrough that you desperately need, that you desperately seek, he's not going to cast you aside. You may not know the details, but you should know that he has a plan. And in that waiting, it can hurt. But number two, the hurting is not harmful. Again, he says, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. So you may be hurting, but understand that even in the hurting, he's not wanting to harm you. Look at James chapter 1, 
verses two through four. James says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. I love this in the Message Bible because that's what we try to do, right? In the waiting, oh, I'm just gonna make my own way out. I'm just gonna get out of this mess on my own strength. I got money, I got resources, I got friends, I can do it on my own. And God says, no, don't do it prematurely, but let it do its work. Let the trial, let the testing, let the fire do its work so that you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. P. Joy, a couple of weeks ago, was talking about how he's been back at the gym, and I think Sal and AJ, and uh, I won't mention the story you told me early because that's not appropriate, but, but we'll do an altar call so you can repent, though. And uh, now you're all going to be like, what's the story? <laughs> Stop it. And when you work out, you're actually breaking down your cells. You're actually breaking down your body. But then as you rest and the Lord provides rest, it's building it up back again so that you can become stronger. And so certainly there's a way to work out and hurt yourself and you don't want to do that. Or you can cause like actual harm to yourself, but you can break yourself down and not cause harm. And that's what, when God puts us through a trial, when God puts us through a test, he'll break us down so that we're more dependent on him. Like James says, so that we can be complete, so that we can be perfect. He's testing us, but he's not wanting to harm us. I was listening to the radio because that's what old people do. We listen to the radio sometimes. And they were talking about forest fires and how actually we hear these stories on the news every year, especially out in California, of these big wildfires. And we always think that they're so devastating, and a lot of times they are. But in a lot of ways, forest fires are actually good for the environment. Now, some of you guys are going to say, oh, PJ is saying, let's start fires. No, 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 no. Calm down, pyromaniacs. Now, stop, stop it. I'll check your lighters right here. Put them down there. Come on. Okay. But there's, there's three ways, at least three ways that, that I've found Forest fires help. One, there are some pine trees that are covered in pitch. And when a fire comes, it actually burns the pitch, which allows the the seeds to come out. Okay? And when the seeds come out, they can reproduce and you'll have more trees. Another way is that fires will remove uh, dead layers or layers of decay or dead, decaying or dead plants or matter. And when he removes that out of the way, the soil can absorb nutrients better, right? Or animals can access the soil better when this layer of dead matter is removed by the fire. And so sometimes what they'll do, not you guys, okay, again, professionals, what they'll do is what they call a controlled burn. Well, they'll actually set the land on fire themselves. Of course, they have safety guards in place, barriers in place so it doesn't get out of control, but they'll do it purposefully so that the land can actually benefit because sometimes the land needs the fire. And then the third way is that the prescribed burns, says here, are well established as a way to prevent more devastating naturally occurring fires. So basically this dead layer, or this, this layer of dead matter, I should say, is really flammable. And so what, sometimes what they do is they'll set it on fire so that if there was a wildfire, it would stop right there because there's nothing else to burn, 
Does that make sense? Okay, so how does that relate to us? Well, one, sometimes the waiting is God burning up these outer shells that we have or the walls that we've built up ourselves. And as he does that, the seeds that have been planted in us can now get nourishment. They can now be planted. Now they can grow and they can flourish. Or in the waiting, it's God's process of burning the layer of dead things in your life that still remain and prevent you from receiving from him. Maybe God needs to burn away some of your thought processes. Maybe God needs to burn away your doubt. Maybe God needs to burn away your attitude. I don't know what it is. I know what it is for me. There's a lot of things that I know God needs to burn away. Or maybe God is burning some things that are flammable in your life so that when the enemy tries to send a fire your way, there's nothing left for him for it to live off of. Okay? And so understand that the waiting, it may hurt, but it's for your own prosperity. It's not to harm you. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse two, because we all want to be in this place, be the kind of person, the kind of young woman, young man that knows exactly what God is thinking so that we can follow what he wants us to do. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse two. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's this last part that we all want to get to. We want to know what is that good? What is that perfect? What is that pleasing will? And again, we very rarely get the full picture. We get the beginning, we get the end. And as we seek the Lord, we usually get the next step, maybe the next couple steps, but it's, it's never too much, I think, for most of us. And so you might ask yourself, well, how do I get, how do I get there? How do I, under, how do I know what the next step is? How do I know what school to apply to? How do I know what person to date? How do I know who to seek counsel from? Well, here it is, earlier in the verse. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. If you're living like the world, if you're doing what the world is doing, if people look at your life and they see no difference, if all you're hearing are the voices in the world, how are you going to hear the voice of God? If they're drowning out what he's trying to tell you. If you're not in the word, if you're not in worship, if you don't do your devos, if you're not talking to your leaders about the things that are happening in your life, how are you going to hear from God? God wants to transform you. God wants to transform me. You will never know the voice of God if you don't know the word of God. Just like earlier in Jeremiah, when the prophet, so-called prophet was saying, hey, yeah, 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 it's going to end soon. God's like, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. And a lot of us, we so easily get tricked by what we hear what we see on social media, what we hear, what we see from our friends who don't follow the Lord. We're like, oh yeah, that sounds good. But it's like, well, that, the Bible doesn't say that at all. And God, through his word, gives us clarity. He helps us to understand. 
He helps us to see, maybe, again, maybe not 10 steps ahead, but certainly the next step. God wants to guide you. God wants to help you in that waiting. He wants to, he's not going to take you from A all the way to Z, but he'll take you to B. And then from B, he'll take you to C. But you got to trust him. You got to stop living for yourself and start living for him. A lot of people think, well, you're an adult. I used to think this way. When I was your age, I think even in my early 20s, I just thought, man, adults, oh my gosh, you guys have it so good. It's so easy. You don't have to go to school. You got jobs that actually pay pretty well. I think I was making $6.25 an hour, and then I worked there for a year, and I was like one of the best employees at a nursing home. I was working in the kitchen, and they gave me a raise because they were so happy, and they were like, you know, Jay, we're going to give you $6.50 an hour. Oh my God. <laughs> and I just, I just remember thinking, man, adults, like you, you just, you have it so good, you don't have any problems at all. And the reality is that for those of you who are a little bit older, maybe mid 20s, uh, you know what? Life actually gets harder in a lot of ways. Certainly, there's some enjoyable things, you know, when you're married and you have kids, and there's certainly great things about that. But at the same time, there's some, there's some trials, there's some things that you go through that you're just like, oh my gosh, like I wish I could be 15 again. And so, for myself, what am I waiting for? Because it's easy to think, well, you're a pastor, what do you have to worry about? Well, you're an adult, you've got things figured out, you have a home, you've got a family, and those things are true. And for the most part, I don't, I don't worry about a ton of things. Um, and, and not to my own credit, I, I was a huge worrier back in the day. I worried about everything, every single thing. I worried that they would put pickles on my Big Mac when I asked them for no pickles. I hate it. It's like, God, you're not fair. Now I got to, you know, and then you, you take the pickle off and then your fingers smell like pickles. And, and if you like pickles, oh my gosh, just go watch Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> you know, here's, here's what I'm waiting on. I'm waiting for my wife to be healed. Three years ago, my wife was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And she was given two years to live. I'm thankful that she's made it past the two-year mark. Really thankful for that. But still waiting for the miracle. And, and it hurts. It hurts every single day. Right? I'm an adult. I'm a pastor. But I feel pain too. It hurts to see someone you love so much go through that. It hurts to see her on many days, even on her best day, actually, she's just a shell of herself. And then on her worst days, it's, it's almost unbearable to watch her just laying there for hours and hours throughout the middle of the day. And all the side effects that come with chemo and all of those things. It hurts. And I can't sum it up in the next five, 10 minutes as I close. I, I wish I could. I can't. There's just so much that goes on with it. But I'll tell you that I, I wouldn't say that I worry so much, but I certainly have thought a lot about the future. I certainly have thought about what life would be like without her. In fact, I would tell you that I've thought about life without her thousands of times in the last 
three years. And when I say thousands, I mean thousands. I don't mean hyperbole. I'm not one of those people that likes to exaggerate and make things sound bigger than they really are. So when I tell you that Harry Potter is trash, I mean it, it's trash, okay? Sorry, you're gonna go home. That's the only thing you're gonna remember. <laughs> but literally thousands of times, because it's been over a thousand days or so, and at least a few times a day, sometimes it's just the thought in my mind. Sometimes I see something. Sometimes I pass by a funeral home, pass by a cemetery. I hear about a friend that got you know, sick with something and makes me think of my wife. And sometimes I can dwell on it and really think hard about it to the point where it does really start to affect me. And we're in the season of waiting. I'll tell you this, from, from the moment that it happened, and maybe even before that, because we have a, a son with special needs, I've had some real sleep deprivation. In fact, I can count on both hands. I think I'm at 10, 10 days that I can count. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but as far as I've been counting, 10 days where I've slept a full seven hours without waking up, like seven hours straight, 10 days. And my saving grace was always naps. I was always able to take a nap Sunday afternoon. You know, you get home, you do your thing in worship. You go home and you just take a nap. And I can nap for you know, a good hour, maybe two, maybe a little bit over two. Even early on, my sleep was so bad that I remember sitting just like this, but a chair that had a back to it, and talking to the doctor. And Susan's being checked out by the doctor there. And I just remember, bam, I'm out, like sitting up. I remember falling, like Susan found me asleep on our bedroom floor. I don't know why I was on the floor to begin with, but she found me asleep. Of course, she took a picture, which I guess is what you do when you don't like people. <laughs> One time, I actually fell asleep on a set of stairs. My body just kind of sprawled out over five or six steps. That's how crazy it's been. And... Again, for the most part, I've always been able to just, whether it's adrenaline, whether it's just mind over matter, kind of push through and do the things that I'm supposed to do or whatnot, until about two or three weeks ago. And I don't know what happened, but, but something happened where I just got so overwhelmed at what may happen with my wife. So overwhelmed with the future and being afraid of what that may look like, so overwhelmed with sadness at the present and where things are at right now that I couldn't even nap. And not only was I not napping, but I would wake up 10, 12 times in the middle of the night. And I remember, I called the week from hell. Now, during the week, I didn't know it was going to last a week. In fact, I, I just thought, oh my like, God, is this going to be the, how it is for the rest of my life? Like, I'm just not going to be able to sleep. I remember I came here, Lizzie was, I think Lizzie was on the team on a Sunday morning. I said, guys, I'm not going to lie to you. I do not want to be here right now. I was so physically, mentally, emotionally exhausted. It, it was like something snapped, but I don't know why. I don't know why. And that kind of scares me because I don't know if it'll happen again. And I reached out to a lot of friends. I reached out to a counselor. I talked to a pastor about it. And a lot of them just kind of said the same thing. It, you know, maybe you just kind of hit your limit. 
I talked to my doctor because I was like, doctor, like, I need to sleep. Like, I can't, no human can function without sleep. And even waking up literally 10 to 12 times, like, I would sleep for about 45 minutes to an hour, and then I'd wake up. And sometimes I would go back to sleep, but a lot of times I would just stay up. And then when I would try to nap in the middle of the day, it would take me about 30, 40 minutes. And then when I would nap, it would literally be for about two, three, four minutes. I remember one time, uh, Susan was next to me and I was trying to nap and I didn't even know that I had fallen asleep. But she was like, oh, I heard you snoring. <laughs> but again, it was, it was like a couple minutes. And, and, and in that week, I just remember, I think my only prayer was, God, I just want to sleep. Like, God, I just want to rest. God, this is crazy. Why is this happening? My family needs me to be at full capacity, to be at 100%. Why are you letting me go through this? Why does the waiting have to feel like this? And so, I don't know what you're going through. And I, I hear from a lot of people who say, oh, oh my God, you know, my, my problems are, are nothing compared to your problems and I should just get over it. No, no, no. Guys, your problems are your problems. Your trials are your trials. For whatever reason, whatever reason, God gave you yours and he gave me mine. And there are people who go through harder things and there are people who don't go through harder things. And that's just the way that God works for whatever reason. I'm not saying this to you to discount what you're going through. I'm not saying this to you to make you feel like you're less than. That's not what I'm, I'm saying this to you because a lot of times you hear people speak but you don't really know if they actually sympathize with what you're going through. And I'm saying that I do. Okay, the waiting, I know what that's like. The physical exhaustion, the mental exhaustion, the emotional exhaustion, feeling like you're at your end. I get it. I've been there. I'm there. (laughs) I'm with you guys. And what I want to say to you is that there is so much hope in the waiting if you put your trust in the Lord. One of the things that I started doing, again, this is, I won't even say this is my favorite Bible verse, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, because it's kind of like everyone's favorite Bible verse. And so I, I like to find my own, I guess. <laughs> and, but I'll tell you, in, in that week, I don't remember when exactly it was, I just started reading this verse every day. And every day since, you know, thankfully I've gotten back to my old sleep habits, which is about four hours and then waking up, waking up maybe two, three times and sleeping maybe a total of six, maybe seven hours, still not napping. Hopefully that'll come. But in that week and since then, I've, I've read this verse at least once a day. I've thought about it, meditated on it, I prayed it. Like, God, you know the plans and help me to just be okay with that and to trust you and to put it all on you because you know what you're doing. So I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up, just, just sit there. If you are someone right now, you're waiting. Maybe you're waiting for victory over addiction. Maybe you're waiting for a family member like I am, to be healed. 
Maybe you're waiting for an emotional victory over depression or anxiety, fear, doubt, whatever it may be. Maybe you're waiting for a breakthrough when it comes to school. Maybe you're waiting for a breakthrough when it comes to work. Maybe you're waiting for a breakthrough in any other area in your life. But you just know that you are in a season of waiting. Maybe you're waiting for your parents to reconcile. I don't know what it is. I don't need to know what it is. I just want to know if, if that's you, if you're waiting, you feel like God has you in a, a season where you're just waiting right now. Would you raise your hand? Okay, you can put your hands down. So again, just with your eyes still closed, I'll pray in just a minute, but I'll end with this thought before I pray. What do you do in the waiting? Well, like James says, don't try to get out of it too early. Like the Lord told the exiles, he basically said, make your home here. Settle. What does that look like? Pastor Jason, for me, it means talking to people. It means being open with my feelings, being open about my fears or my doubts. It means praying. It means worshiping. And then repeat. And you just do it over and over and over again. That, That to me is making your home in the waiting and trusting and knowing that at some point God will call you to the next step. And then at some point, we don't know how, you may not know how it's going to end, but at some point the waiting will eventually be over. And then you know what? There'll be another time in your life where you have to wait again. That's just the way that God works. Lord, I pray for these students, for these leaders, for myself. Father, would you help us? Help us to be comforted in the fact that even though we don't know the plans, you do. Help us to be okay knowing, but just knowing that you have plans, to be thankful for that, to be thankful that through whatever it is that you've sent our way, that you're purifying us, you are making us complete God, for those who need hope tonight, give them hope. For those who need to feel your presence tonight, let them feel your presence. And not just here, but at home. For those who need an outpouring of your spirit, God, would you touch their hearts? For those of us who need to be transformed in our minds, as as Romans says, God, would you transform us? God, would, would you help us to give ourselves to you completely so that we are no longer living like the world, so that we are no longer conformed to this world, but that we give ourselves to you, as Sal was saying earlier, to give ourselves to you in complete surrender, God, to give you control, to say, God, you take the wheel. You take the controller. You help us get to that next level, Lord. Wash away the doubt. Wash away the fear. Wash away the anxiety. Wash away the depression, God. Let your perfect love come and cast it out. Break down the walls inside of us, Lord. The layers of decay, God. Burn them away through your holy fire, Lord, so that we can become more like you. Help us to trust you. And thank you, God, that you do 
have a plan that is for our own good, that is for our prosperity, a plan that will not cause us harm, a plan for our future. But help us to trust in you. We pray these things in your name. We all say amen and amen. Can you put your hands together one last time tonight? Thank you, Jesus.